This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, Episode 86. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Ballers Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Brianna Songer to the Ballers Circle. Brianna is a hired gun in the digital marketing space. She's a freelancer who is passionate about growing small businesses using digital strategies. She helps companies acquire leads and grow their market presence through email marketing, content marketing, social media marketing, SEO, and much, much more. So I'm happy to bring Brianna on the show to talk about these strategies that she has and she's helping so many small businesses with and how people in the baller circle can use these strategies to grow their own businesses. Uh, so, Brianna, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, and I want to know if you wanted to add anything to that intro. Uh, that was a great intro. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to, to talk about the digital marketing strategy I use for small businesses. And I'm open to any questions you have. Okay, sounds good. So the first thing that I want to know is before we jump into your business, I want to know what your life was like growing up and if there was anything in particular that inspired you to want to be an entrepreneur. Uh, my life growing up, I, I basically, you know, I didn't take the normal path. I started um, in a pretty rough home, rough upbringing in a, in a poor, but for a better, lack of a better, you know, term to describe it, family. So I think that living in poverty most of my childhood is what motivated me to want to go to college and to uh, uh, really work on different ideas that I had. And to me, work was never just a job. It was always a passion, no matter what I did. I started as a waitress. I was a bartender. And then I, when I graduated high school, I, I finished off college and a couple of years. So I, I actually graduated pretty early. I took extra credits and I immediately jumped into teaching. But even as a teacher, I, I didn't I didn't think that was the end all. I felt like teaching was the way to um, kind of spark my career to greater things. Not that teaching's not great, but I knew it was going to get me out in the world. So I ended up traveling, uh, teaching in South Korea and in Colombia and South America. And that, ironically, is what led to me being an entrepreneur because my first business idea was starting an English school down in South America for adults. So that that kind of uh, piloted my entrepreneurial career. And from there, I've done a couple of other business ideas. So Okay, nice. I like that. I like that journey. And I like the idea of, you know, starting a school. So as you were going on this entrepreneurial journey, is were there things that you did that uh, that didn't work out? Did you have any failed business ideas that you tried and just just didn't happen the way you wanted to, wanted it to? You know, not really. Um, not in the beginning. I was very. I, I saw an opportunity and I just grabbed it and went with it. I had no business background of any kind. I had no role models or mentors of any kind. I just jumped into it. I. I actually uh, found a guy that was already kind of doing an English school and I, I interviewed him. I talked to him and I, and I asked him if he wanted to partner up. He didn't want to partner up, but he did give me, he was ready to retire and gave me a lot of clients. So I took his clients and then I grew my, what was just an after school tutoring uh, session into forming groups. Um, I had a lot of students, so I had enough money. I saved all of my money from my teaching job and, 
and these uh, after-school classes, and I was able to get an office. I didn't know anything about overhead or marketing or sales at the time. It, 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 a lot of it came naturally to me, and, and I just learned on the go. Um, I did consult with my brother, who's done a, a business, but he wasn't even particularly helpful because it was so out of his realm. And being that I was in South America, he wasn't sure even how to guide me. So I really just had to live and learn. And I, I made some mistakes as far as how we scaled that I look back on now and I laugh. For example, um, we were scaling so fast. So many customers were coming to me that I couldn't handle the amount of clients that we had. So, which is a good problem to have in a lot of ways, but I didn't have the staff teaching staff. I didn't have a manager in place, so I was doing everything. And looking back now, now that I mentor businesses, that's what a lot of small businesses do. CEOs and founders will jump in and they put their hands in every uh, little project instead of stepping back, seeing the big picture, and really focusing on strategy versus getting their hands dirty and, and really getting all the details done. So that was a, that was a huge learning um, curve for me. And learning how to delegate, I think, would be one of the big things. And uh, keeping my eye on the bottom line, which was our revenue and our return, right? And nice. not uh, being that I had a passion for educating, I got too involved in the day-to-day -day operations. Okay. But the business idea itself didn't fail. I, I sold it and, and I moved on. Um, and other than that, I haven't really tried anything that I, as far as like a product or service that, that failed yet. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> let's let's keep it let's keep it going that way. I'm glad to hear that uh, that you've had so so much success with your with your school, and it's just cool that you were just able to figure all those things out. And I think that that's one of the things that I've noticed uh, consistently about entrepreneurs that I speak to are, are they're people who aren't afraid to go out there and start something without knowing uh, the end. Right? They don't know necessarily all the pieces, but they are brave enough to go out and just get started and figure it out as they go. Um, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, so, so now that you're in the digital marketing space, uh, one, I guess I'm, I'm curious if, if anything that you learned or why you were trying to build out your school, uh, helps you develop some of these skills that you have now. And if, and if, uh, so, um, I guess, how did you, uh, you know, continue to cultivate those skills to the point that you're able to, uh, do so much and add so much value to your clients today? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it all started from that school because being in a in a market where I was the only foreigner American in the city running a business like that and the only woman, I had to really strategize how I was going to get the type of clients I want. I was getting all type of clients, so I learned to um, focus on business clientele. To get business clientele, though, and to get the clients I wanted, I had to start reaching out and doing outbound marketing, not inbound. And so I went online and I started basically doing what I now know as lead generation. I didn't know that's what it was called then, but I was doing lead gen and building and cultivating the leads that I wanted. Um, I also learned that my web presence was huge. Nobody was really a, a big, didn't have a big web presence, none of the other schools. So I took advantage of that and I, I uh, hired a couple of engineers to design an awesome website for me to create keywords and SEO. And I just read about how to do that online and worked with these guys to rank the website as number one. And that really was the key because then I realized I could kind of ditch some of the overhead of hiring teachers physically in that country and bringing them there and just go for online classes. 
And that's when the market for that particular school really uh, exploded because I could draw people from students from China, Russia, other countries in South America. And it was so much easier and faster than going to like a trade show or being on the street with a, a booth and trying to explain our, our business over and over. The website is what all the traffic started uh, driving to the nice. website, right? And so that gave me the idea, um, you know, if I could do that for that business, could I do it for other types of ideas? Or could I even just consult for people? And one of the students in one of my classes uh, was an engineer with a startup idea for gamification software. And he offered me the marketing director position to come to his academy. So, uh, sorry, to his startup. So I sold my academy and I started working as his marketing director. And that's really where I start, found my first mentor. And he taught me everything that I know today. Um, and then some. <laughs> nice, nice. That's awesome. So those initial skills that you learned uh, in in helping to do lead generation for your school, what, did you take any courses? Was it just trial and error? Like how did you how did you figure out like what was going to work? I didn't take any courses at the time. I I do now. I'm constantly educating myself on best practices and what's what's the latest in marketing SEO strategies. Uh, but at the time, I really was just experimenting. To see what it works. So, for example, um, you know, changing the the images on the website, the messaging. I did some things in English, and then I switched it over to Spanish just to see if it would draw a bigger network. Um, but what I was finding is that the foreign market, foreign in the sense out of the country of Colombia, like China and Russia, was my my biggest market, and they were willing to pay for classes. They wanted full time, you know, every day, a couple hours a day, and they were very reliable students. So we ended up having um, a digital academy. There was at one point we got rid of kind of X'd out all the physical students. And I was having teachers who were living there looking for physical work, but they, they wanted to live the lifestyle of Colombia and being abroad. But they were working in their homes and um, in a very small office site. I set up just for that purpose, doing online classes. And it was by mistake. It was an accident. It was not deliberate. It wasn't something that really I even understood. But then, yes, I started taking classes on how to do online classes effectively because I had never really taught completely digitally. So we use things like uh, Skype and other um, interfaces to show screens and share screens and send digital files and Google Drive, you know, to share all of our data and our information, digital grading systems, everything went digital. But it was, I would say it was a happy, a happy accident, you know, and it was just me keeping my eye on where the income was coming from and then going in that direction. And I didn't hesitate to drop the physical academy in the overhead. Right, right. And, and, that, and that also is something that I feel like is, is very common where I hear people uh, either one, they didn't intend to be an entrepreneur at all. They just kind of started doing something they were interested in or passionate about and it turned into a business. Or two, they were trying to do, trying to build a business and then something kind of, uh, you know, on the side kind of started to bubble up and, and have success and actually had more success than what, than what they were initially going after. So they dropped that thing and went, went the other direction. 
Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's both. Um, so one pivots on the other because it, first you have to have a passion. That's not it's it's cliche, but it's not because if you don't have a passion for something, it, it's harder to find the hiccups in the process because you're probably not doing it yourself and you don't understand the process. And I'm being a little vague here, but people who who have done this, they understand that it, you need to be involved in the beginning, at least in the every single step of the way, uh, you know, what are the, the things that are going well and what needs improvements? But then there's a point you also, and maybe in that process, you learn that there is a niche and there's a need that hasn't been addressed, right? Because I started very general and then I started getting more specific with my niche. The more specific I got, the more of a, a real need I found. And, and I found a need that nobody else was doing, or at least not a lot of people. But if you don't start there, if you're not really passionate, you just keep looking for that next big idea, you're probably going to fail because it's an incredible amount of work. It's day in and day out, 24-7, and you have to have the stamina to stick with it and to see what those loopholes kind of are and where you can go with it. And then the second part of that is learning how to step back at some point and let people trust, uh, hire and trust good employees that you can count on to run um, some automated processes for you. So you have to start standardizing things and automating them if you're going to scale. Otherwise, you're, you're bound to fail. You just can't keep up that pace forever. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. So um, after you leave, your, you sell your school and you go and you work for this startup, you said that you learned some, some really, uh, I guess, a lot more skills there. Uh, what was different? What, 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 what took you to the next level uh, working there? Oh man, everything. It, it was it was digital at its best. It was the definition of a SaaS um, software as a service model. I didn't know anything about um, gamification or SaaS models. I'd never had any experience with that. So I was a little leery to start the job and I wasn't really sure why he wanted me since I had an education background. But then I saw I saw it. It took me a few months to see what his vision was. He was smart enough, the CEO, to go, I don't want somebody that's, you know, the SEO uh, king or queen. I want somebody like Brianna who is an educator and might be able to think outside the box. And that's what he needed for his startup is think outside the boxers. People that could go, oh, you're not doing this. Or you know what, you're your uh, users might appreciate something, uh, um, a certain feature like this. Because as an engineer, you might get too involved in it. You can't really see, again, the big picture. It's hard to step back. So here we have an engineer who's also the CEO, and that can be dangerous uh, because they, they, don't, they don't always see um, the big picture. So he hired me to see the big picture. And as an educator, I was able to really understand his customer um, because they were employees of call centers and they were trying to learn the call center world and the job. So he really needed a lot of educational material. And I was able to put that together um, really quickly and easily for him. So learning the technicalities of marketing and, the, and, um, and business development wasn't really the challenge. I think anybody can go online and you know, you could take a new Demi course or whatever, and you can learn the mechanics of how to do it. But the difference is learning how to write quality content that will get shared, that will draw people's attention, and that will ultimately convert them. And that's really, on a very grand scale, what I learned to do. 
And that, that's what people care about for their, their small businesses, especially because they need numbers and they need proof that their concept is working, right? So, I'm, I'm, so when you talk about that, that and that's so, so important, the quality content, um, what have you noticed are the elements of quality content versus poor content? Quality content can be a lot of different things. It, uh, you know, it can be a blog, a testimonial, case study, webinar, but it needs to be, again, a need. It needs to service your particular customer's demographics need. So something that, that I do and did for the startup I used to work for and that I do now for businesses is creating customer personas, meaning that I ask them, the first question is, who is your customer and what do they want? And a lot of people have a hard time answering that, ironically. You would think you have a business idea and you know what who you're selling to. Sometimes people get so caught up in their idea that they forget to ask if anybody wants it <laughs> and needs it, right? And again, going back to that, you're, you're targeting everybody in the world. And what if you just need to target this one type of person to start with? And that could be enough to grow your business quickly. And it's very, one of my biggest challenges is getting, um, especially CEOs and founders of companies to come down to that level because they get very excited about an idea. They really want to push it. And you got you to gotta take that time to set up the customer uh, personas and understand what the challenge and the need is because need is. you could have three or four or 10 different types of customers for your particular product or service. And that's a question that everybody in the company needs to agree on before you you launch a product or service and it and it evolves and it changes over time but you have to have a start for that right so what's your process for identifying the right persona and making sure you have that information correct so you know who to target first doing market research and a SWOT analysis of the competitors deciding what's out there um, what are the strengths the weaknesses the opposition and the threats to your product and that's just a basic, um, you know, marketing technique. But from there, uh, the creative part becomes creating the persona and driving like a type of fake person and, and creating that person through some kind of, you can do it on Excel or Word document, but you can also use a fancy CRM like HubSpot to do this. And then aligning your uh, marketing to that. So that could be maybe your... Uh, your emails that go out to people, that the message matches their need. It could be a web landing page that they're going to to land on through Google. And really just um, interviewing even. You can you can do customer surveys. So whoever you have currently, because a lot of businesses I talk to have already been going. It's not a brand new idea a lot of times. So they've got, let's say, 50, 100, or 200 customers, and they, they don't even understand who their customers are. They haven't segmented them. They don't, they don't know who's who. They just think everybody's the same. And then we go through this process to segment them and, and really start finding similarities in what their challenges and needs are. And, and that's where the process starts, by categorizing them and reaching out with different types of messages. Okay. So when you when you have clients who reach out to you and they say, Brianna, I really need your help. What's the what are the most common problems that they have and what do they need you to do for them? The 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 line they always give me, everybody's exactly the same. I need more customers and I need to make more money. There's it, it's never been a different need. So 
I don't, I don't ever have a question of what my customer's need is up front. But then when I start digging, what I learn is that they all have different challenges to getting to that need. So, it, you know, maybe somebody is having problems in their marketing department or sales. They have no sales pipeline or structure. Uh, it could be that the product or service itself isn't being uh, displayed well, that nobody understands what it is. There's not one central theme or message. So each, each customer has unique challenges, but they all want to make money and they all want leads. <laughs> and they all, they all usually think that they have an idea of how that should be done. Um, they may just not have the time or the resources to do it. And so money is usually a challenge. They, they have a limited budget, especially as a startup. You know, you have a limited budget a lot of times. So where I come in is helping them with creative ways to do that with, with little budget, um, you know, give and take type of strategies instead of paying $10,000 to, to display ads on Facebook or whatever. There's other free ways that you can grow your business um, effectively and, and quickly. Huh. Please share these free ways. I'm sure everyone's like, <laughs> how, do, how do I do this? What? I can stop running Facebook ads? Well, Show then the they way. wouldn't need to contact me. <laughs> <laughs> um, for example, I'll give you one example. The, the traditional way of marketing, you, you know, one of the, the old school ways is to go to a, um, you know, a panel or some kind of seminar and you share the product, you buy a booth and these are expensive. They'll charge you anywhere like the Salesforce convention. You'll pay 10, 20 grand to have a booth there because you're going to get a ton of foot traffic and they're going to sponsor you and they're going to push your, um, you hope they're going to push your company and your product. And that's great if you have $10 million in investment money and seed money and, and you've got a lot to spare. Most people don't and they don't know that you can contact uh, partners, people that could be potential partners or that are influential leaders and ask if, you know, is there any way I could do an interview with you or write about you in exchange for XYZ? So doing like exchanges where you can push people's, um, I guess, their agenda for your agenda can work out really well. For example, one time I did an interview for our uh, startups product for a tech company that was basically just uh, surveying people on their needs and saying, okay, what kind of technology do you need? And they would ask you 20 questions and they would give you 10 different companies that might serve that technology. That is an extremely brilliant idea in the sense that they, they had zero overhead, right? They, all they did is take what's out there and tell you what could service the need based on the 20 questions they created. So what they did is created a blog and they would feature different um, of these interviews that they would do with people. As a favor, they wouldn't charge you, but as a favor, they would ask you to write a blog about them and how you help them or, or push their product. That was something that didn't really cost us any money in terms of dollars, but time, right? It took my time to do the interview. I had to write a blog. But I mean, literally, that was a day of my time, if that. And we got a huge amount of traffic from them sharing our interview. So much like you, you're doing these podcasts and people can agree to partner with you to do a podcast and it can bring them some traffic. And these are ways that you're not spending dollars. But um, again, you're putting in the time. So that to some people is money. Right, right. That's incredibly powerful. So, we, so when we were talking a little bit earlier about you learning, you mentioned that you had 
you know, uh, learned a lot on your own, learned a lot from the startup that you worked at, but that currently now you have some resources that you use to stay on top of the digital marketing game. So what are you, what are you using right now to stay on top of things? Um, I, I have a couple of different resources I use. One is Udemy because they, they offer paid courses, but they're very cheap. And the nice thing about Udemy is that you, you have influencers there, people that actually have credibility that are posting courses. And so it's like-minded peers. It's not just somebody trying to sell you something. They really just want to share their knowledge. They genuinely want to share their knowledge. I use Slack. And so I join communities on Slack for topics that I'm interested in. That can actually be a really powerful educational tool. And it's a two-way conversation versus just watching a video and not being able to respond. Um, I certainly follow people on Twitter and I try to interact as much as I can, especially if they have like you know, Wednesday theme day where everybody gets to participate type of thing. There's a lot of those type of things out there. Um, LinkedIn. Um, I've joined several groups on of marketing groups on LinkedIn, and I and I read articles. I read a lot, lots of reading and lots of watching videos and actively doing these things. So I'm taking notes on my computer, and I'm at the end reflecting and saying, what can I take from this that I can use? I'm also careful not to waste time though. On let's, there's a lot of webinars out there these days that are just selling tactics, and so. I give it 10, 15 minutes, and if I'm not learning anything, I leave. You know, I'm not going to sit for an hour there and, and wait till the end of a presentation to, to learn something I could go read in five minutes. So it's a variety of sources, um, but mostly I've learned from my customers. They Every single client that I take, I've learned a new idea or strategy. It's a very collaborative process, and... They might have an idea, but they don't know how to do it. And so I'll take their idea and I'll go, let me go figure out how to implement that. And um, from there, I've, I've learned lots of neat things. Like, um, for example, last week I was working with a client who wanted to do some kind of like test. They were like, can we do, can you create a test? And then we could like market that with a landing page. And so you'll send it out, like take this test to see if you need you know, blah, blah, blah. And I said, sure, let's try it. And it actually was really successful. And it's something I wouldn't have thought of to do. I didn't think it would work for their specific industry. It was a web design company. And it worked. And in fact, it was take this test to see if you need to redesign your website. It was a simple question. We sent it out to a bunch of our, um, you know, our, our email database. And people were super engaged in it. They clicked on it, and they answered it. And it gave us a lot more, a better idea of who we should follow up with and talk to. So things like that, you know, my customers can give me a lot of my my ideas. I just figure out how to implement it. Right, right. I really like that. So, the, and those are all great resources. I've never used Slack groups before. I've I've used Slack to you know to to just kind of chat with friends and and different mm -hmm. things. But I didn't realize there were groups where you could actually just learn stuff. So I'll check that out. Um, yeah, there's so the Udemy courses actually will pair up a lot with Slack community groups. So that okay. you can ask questions and get responses. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, well, Brianna, I really appreciate you coming on the show and providing a lot of great value. Your story is super interesting, and I can see why uh, you're in demand with clients. So I wanted to know before we close out, uh, how can the Baller Circle get in touch with you and learn more about your services and business? So right now, I've just been doing freelance work, um, but they can they can definitely check out my Upwork profile, just Brianna Songer. I, I believe I'm the only one on there. <laughs> or uh, email me at Brianna at SongerStrategicMarketing.com, and, uh, and we, can, we can talk. 
have a conversation about your needs. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate the time and uh, have a great day. Okay. Thanks a lot, Michael. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers podcast. Be sure to listen next week where I'll be sharing another story of yet another inspiring Internet baller. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.